All right. So um, clips from this show are going to serve as an example. The foundation is going to be Romans chapter 12. I sent out uh, clips this past week. Well, I actually sent one out on Friday. Kind of a long one. It's a recap of the whole show. And then I sent one uh, this morning. If you want to receive those clips, the steps are on the screen or on the back of your, uh, on the back of your bulletin. So whether you're watching online uh, or you're at West Falls Church or here, if you want to follow that, steps one, two, and three, you just text the word us, just U-S, to that number that's there. You'll get a reply text. Click it. Put your name and your email. Click save. It'll take you to another page, but you're not interested in that. You're done at that point. Three easy steps if you want to see the, uh, the clips. And the one that I sent on Friday was actually a very good recap and tells us a lot about why Jack is a superhero, which will be the question this week, you know, in groups. Why is Jack a superhero in all this? All right. So this series, everybody, um, we're, we're going to focus on basic relationships, like principles for all relationships. We're not going to really get into romantic relationships, although this is a marriage that is involved here. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do something in the springtime specifically about romantic relationships. I think I'm about calling the series a true tender romance in the spring. Well, I don't know. I haven't decided yet 100%, but you pray for me on that, trying to figure that out. Um, uh, but for those, for those who are interested in marriage, we are going to a, a marriage weekend coming up November. The information is in your bulletin. And for those of you, you're not married, but maybe you're thinking about it, uh, this retreat is for you as well. And you can read about that in your bulletin. So this is us. Who are these people? Who are these This Is Us people? All right, they're in Pittsburgh. It's a family from Pittsburgh. They're huge Steelers fans. Any Steelers fans in the house? You tied with Cleveland last week, so I can understand why you would not want to admit <laughs> that you're Steelers fans. But anyway, uh, big, huge Steelers fans. It's a family that um, wife is pregnant, triplets, and very sad. The movie starts out very sad. I mean, the series starts out very sad, and one of the triplets doesn't make it. But uh, a boy was left at a fire station, a little infant just born, left at a fire station, and the person, fireman, brings the baby to the hospital. And so it begins with the adoption of this little baby named Randall. And so much of the series is about the triplets, Kevin, Kate, and Randall, Randall, the adopted, the adopted son. It follows their ups and downs, their good times and their bad times, their life and how they progress. Very creatively done. Very, very, very well done. Uh, Randall uh, gets married eventually. He has two girls. He makes a ton of money on Wall Street. He's a math genius, uh, but he struggles badly with anxiety. He has panic attacks, and that really causes him problems. And then you have Kate who has a serious eating disorder. She hopes that by the age of 37, she would be married with kids like her parents were. That was the goal, uh, but she's single. Until she meets Toby, and everybody loves Toby, she meets Toby at a support group of all things. And then finally, Kevin, who is a superstar stud athlete, he's a quarterback, he's headed to fame and fortune in the NFL, uh, and then he hurts his knee, and he flounders for a while. Uh, and then eventually he just kind of stumbles his way into acting, and he becomes a celebrity actor and very rich and very famous. But he, like his father and like his grandfather, is an alcoholic. And the constant in all of this is Jack and Rebecca. Um, and Rebecca, you know, uh, she, says, she says about her husband Jack that he is a superhero. He's a superhero. 
And you have to ask yourself why. And the clip that I sent out this morning is, is Jack's not perfect. He's not perfect. That's the big thing about the series. This guy isn't perfect. But he, he will struggle through for love, even though his history of his father, who was an alcoholic and abusive to his mother and could care less about the kids, he does the exact opposite in his own life. And she says, you know, given the fact of where you've come from, uh, you are, you're just an amazing person. So he struggles through all that. And the clip that I sent this morning was uh, he, he in this clip was struggling with alcohol himself. And he comes home one night late after being at the bar, and she meets him in the living room, and she says, you got to fix this. you got to be a man, step up to the plate, and you've got to fix this. Now, he's never had an example of anybody ever fixing anything. His dad never did it. His dad never did it. But he rises above it. And he sleeps outside the bedroom that night, and she comes out early in the morning, and he says, I'm going to stop. And she says, you can't, you can't do this on your own. He says, I can, and I will. For who? Who? Anybody? For you. For you. And all the kids run out, and they jump on them, and it's just this wonderful, beautiful scene. It's a tremendous scene of love. Today, we're going to talk about why us. Why is us so important, and what is the point of Christianity? And particularly, everybody, what is the point of this amazing book in the Bible that's called the Letter to the Romans? If you ask most theologians, okay, Ph.D. in Bible, Ph.D. in Christianity and theology, if you could have one book that you would take with you on a desert island of all the books of the Bible, what would it be? And most of them say the book of Romans because it's packed full, full of theology and doctrine and our beliefs and who we are, who people are. What is a Christian supposed to be? What is a Christian supposed to believe? That is that. So Romans 12, here we go. It starts out this way, Romans 12, turning point in the entire book. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That means, those words mean, this is the logical response to everything that's been written in chapters 1 through 11 of Romans. This is your reasonable response. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And here it comes. God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we're interested in having the best life we possibly can have, right? Having a dynamic life, a vibrant life, being in the center of God's will. If there is a God, to be in the center of God's will and to experience that. And Paul says here in this letter, this is how you do it. And Romans 12 is the absolute turning point of all this. Here's the thing. We're going to be very focused this morning as we begin this series. What is the point of all this incredible theology? As I said earlier, Romans, Romans is it, everybody. It is the top of the mountain for doctrinal belief in who is Jesus Christ. When I was in Bible college, right, we talked about the Roman road to salvation because the roadmap, the system, the plan, the clear, this is why systematic theologians love this. The plan is in the book of Romans. Romans 3.10, there's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. This incredible theology. And then you transition into Romans 12, and it begins with that word, therefore. And the word therefore means, therefore, everything that you have just read, all this incredible doctrine and theology, all these beliefs about Christianity is leading to one single place, Romans 12. 
He says, in view of everything that you've read, in view of everything you've read, here is where the train comes to a stop. This is the station that you're headed towards. And if you miss this point, you're going to miss everything, and you're never going to experience this. When Jesus says, I've come to give you life to the full, you'll never experience life to the full. It'll never happen. Christianity will never work in your life. You'll never live a thriving spiritual dynamic life that you and I all want to live, no matter where we're coming from spiritually. It absolutely cannot happen unless you understand where the train comes to a stop. And that's what Romans 12 is. Romans 12 is where the train comes to a stop. It's the point of all our theology. It's the point of Christianity. It's how we thrive. Romans 12, starting in verse 10, says this. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That's like pray for people who are your enemies. That's what Jesus says. It's the same thing as being said here. You've got to love people so much that you would just actually pray for people, not just people you like, but people that you don't like. You've got to be kidding me. That is so hard. You know one thing you don't need to remind me to do? You don't need to remind me to pray for my kids. Do I need to pray more? Absolutely. You got me 100%. I could never pray enough. But there's one thing you never need to remind me to do for, and that is to pray for my kids. You know why? Why? Guess. Why? Why? Because I love them. On their worst day, I love them. On their worst day, if they needed a heart transplant, I'd say, when does the surgery start? Because I love them. So Romans is saying this to us. We need to love people, even people we don't like, that much, that much, that much, that much, that we would bless them and pray for them. That's pretty amazing. 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position and do not be conceited. Yes, please don't. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, right? That's, that's going to be hard to pull off. Somebody does you wrong, that's going to be hard to pull off. Be careful to do what was right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone and do not take revenge. Now, we're going to unpack Romans 12. I'm going to spend the next eight weeks getting into the details of this, but I want to be clear today. Here's what the point is. The point is, is where does the train come to a stop? What is the point of all the great theology? Because if we miss the end point, we're going to get way out of bounds, way out of bounds. Clear here. The point of all this amazing theology is to love people, people you like and people you don't like, people who are like you and people who are unlike you, people who are very different from you. To love all people is the point of all of this tremendous theology. Romans 13 says it this way. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of the law. You have got to be kidding me, everybody. I have been to Bible college. I have a master's in divinity. I would have never said that. I would have thought the point of me being a follower of Jesus Christ was to pray, read my Bible, and to avoid sin. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody pray, read my Bible, and avoid sin? That's what it's all about. That's how to live a vibrant kind of dynamic life in Jesus Christ where I'm full of him. Those are the first things that I absolutely think about. We all want to see God at work in our lives. And the Bible tells us, how do you see God at work? 1 John 4, 12. No one has ever seen God. Okay, all right. I understand that. But we, have, but we love one another 
No one's ever seen God, but we love. In other words, if you love somebody, if you love other people, you actually get to see God at work. It's the point. It's the point of Romans 12, to see God at work. The Bible says we should do everything in love. Paul, who wrote Romans, says that another place in the Bible, if you have all the knowledge of the world, right? If you have all the knowledge in the world, you know your doctrine, you know it, you know what is right, but you don't have love, you're nothing. Why is this guy in this series, Jack, why is he such a superhero? Because he knows the right thing to do? No, because he's really loving to his family. And we watch him overcome and struggle to love even in difficult circumstances. Jesus says it this way. We should be famous for love. Like, what should somebody who says, I'm trying to follow Christ, or I want to follow Christ, or I am a follower of Christ, what should somebody who is a church person actually be famous for? What should we be? Jesus puts it this way. Everyone will know that you are my disciples. Everyone will know that you are a follower of me if you do what? If you love one another. You know, you know chapter and verse? No, that doesn't do it. You know all the doctrines of the Bible? That doesn't do it. You make a stand for what is right? No, that doesn't do it. You go to church? Well, maybe. All right. I can't throw that one out. We need to be famous for love. Listen, I, I get emails and phone calls and questions about this all the time. Hey, hey, John, Pastor John, never been to your church before, heard about your church, friend told me about your church, I'm new to town, whatever, I've been here a long time, looking for a church, wondering about a church. I got one question before I attend church, all right? I need to know what you believe. And usually it's what you believe about one, one social issue, one social issue, one social issue. It's never about Jesus dying on the cross or what you think about Jesus, anything like that, anything, anything like that. But I need to know what you believe. And it, it, many of you have asked me this question. I don't want you to feel bad because I need you to know I would 100% do the exact same thing. If I moved into a new city or I was looking for a church, I would want to know what that church believes because all of my theological training has prepared me for this moment to say, what do you believe? Totally, hands down. You know what no one has ever asked me and what I would probably never ask anybody else unless I was doing this series? You know what? You know what that is? I need to know, is your church famous for love? Because like there's one thing I need to know about your church. Because Jesus says the church should be famous for, like the whole community should know that you're famous for love. So I just, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to make a decision whether I am or am not going to go to your church based on one thing. Because it's all about love. That's where the train comes to a stop. So I just need to know. Tell me, are you famous for love? Do you realize that? Because if we don't understand this one point, if we don't understand where the, the train comes to a stop, then it's very easy, right, to know all of our doctrine and be unloving to people who are unlike us very, and feel really good about it, feel very biblical about it. I know my doctrine. If we don't understand the main point of the Bible, now Jesus was really clear. He's like, can you imagine Jesus in heaven? He's like, Man, how did they miss this point? Like, it's all about love. Paul says it's nothing without love. Like the point of all theology and doctrine is love. Are you famous for love? And this is why, why us is so important. You can't love anybody if you don't have an us. And you particularly can't really show love unless you're loving somebody who is difficult to love. We're missing the point. People who are like you and unlike you. People who are young and old, people who are rich and poor, people who are a friend or a foe, black, white, Republican, Democrat, redskin, or cowboy. 
the result of all of this incredible theology is to love, which means us is the point. Jesus says it's the greatest command. They had over 600 commands when they asked Jesus, 600 rules. You know, we pretty much in our world and in the church world and the world outside the church, asking questions of the church, what do you believe about? It pretty much boils down to about five things that we really like. Is that right? Is that wrong? Is that a sin? Is that not a sin? About five things. They had over 600. It gets complex. You'd have to keep a book just to keep a list of all those things. He said, we need you to sum this up. Sum everything up about the Bible. Jesus, sum it all up for me. He said, okay, I'm going to sum it up for you. Love God and love your neighbor. That's all of it. And you know what's really interesting? When he says love God and the second is like it, love your neighbor, he's not saying love God one, number two, love your neighbor. He said it's like it. In other words, he made them equal. Loving God and love. Sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, I can love God. I can love God. I hate my neighbor, but, you know, I can't. <laughs> my neighbor's really frustrating. Oh, I can feel really good with God. What, what God is saying to us is, is that you can't feel good about your relationship with God unless you're acting loving to your neighbor. Whoa. So this famous story, Jesus says, when you go to the temple and you're standing in line, because it was long lines at the temple, right? When you're standing in line at the temple to get things right with God, to make a sacrifice, to worship God, whatever you're there for, right? And you realize you have a break in a relationship with your neighbor, Leave the line and go back home and make things right with God. Now, I want to unpack that with you for just a second, if I can, all right? You know, people pretty much trip, made a trip to the temple about once or twice a year. It was a long journey. Not everybody lived in Jerusalem, so the temple is in Jerusalem. There's only one temple. It's in Jerusalem. And so, I mean, you might have traveled for days. You might have traveled for weeks to get there. And when you got there, it's the desert. It's hot, really hot. And there's animals everywhere because they're sacrificing animals all over the place. So it's smelly and it's dirty and it's hot and you're sweating. And the lines are really, really long, everybody. But you're standing in line after you made it all this way because God is the most important person in the Bible. And what does it say? God can wait. Jesus says, God can wait. What? God's not going to wait. That's like there's a knock come on my door and someone says, hey, LeBron James is here to talk to you about basketball. And your neighbor's at the back door and wants to talk to you about, you know, the weed eater that he loans you, and there's something wrong with it. Well, LeBron can wait. He can just wait, because I need to go talk to Ken, right, to make things. That is bizarre. That's crazy. God says, God can, Jesus says, God can wait. That's unheard of. God can wait. God can wait. Because you need to go make things right with Ken. You need to leave and go. Think about that. Part. Have you ever thought of it that way? It's a huge point. All right. I want to show you a picture, okay? I saw this. Let's do the picture. You see that picture? You see that picture? See anything wrong with that picture? <laughs> I was, I was, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was walking through our basement where, where that treadmill is, and I saw that. I said, something's wrong here. It's, this doesn't seem quite right, all right? And so I said to Krista, I said, hey, could you come uh, take the picture? Because... Krista doesn't, Krista is pretty sure that I'm a terrible picture taker. And uh, I don't know why, because it seems odd to me. I mean, how much, how much skill is in putting this up and pushing a button? But somehow she says I'm terrible. So I had her come take the picture. And I knew this. I didn't say anything about this, but I knew this. I knew what was going to happen if she took the picture. She would want to do what? She would want to get the stupid dog in the picture. <laughs> so we have a picture. You see the picture? 
Yep. That's how we use our treadmill. Which is, is great. Uh, you know, think you know, we're all we're all we're all different, you know. Stuff. Uh, I knew what she would want that picture because here's the thing: is here's the thing when, when we're out and we're talking to people, you know. Do you think Krista has ever said, "Hey, let me show you a picture of my husband"? Can I show you a picture of my? Never once. What she says, let me show you a picture of my dog. I want to show. So I know exactly where I stand in this whole thing. Right? It's always, let's look at a picture of the dog. All right, let's go back to the picture without the dog, just of the treadmill. All right. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. That treadmill isn't working. Yes, there's something wrong uh, with the treadmill because it's, it's just not working. It's just, it's just not working. And I can't figure out why it's not working because I've read the manual. Because it was an expensive treadmill, so I read it. Like, I underlined things in the manual. You know what I'm saying? Like, I really underlined. Oh, I got that point. I read, and I reread it, and I re- all over and over again, right? And I'm trying to get in shape, right? I'm trying to get buff so that maybe my wife would like to show a picture of me to somebody. <laughs> somebody out there on the streets would like to see a picture of me. So I'm, I'm working out hard, right? I'm trying to, I got I to gotta get in shape. So I'm reading the manual. I bought this expensive trim. I'm reading the manual. I'm copiously writing things down. I'm praying, oh God, help me to be in better shape. Though my wife would love to show me a picture, show a picture of me to somebody on this, on this planet, right? I'm avoiding sinful foods, right? I'm doing all this stuff. You know what I'm not doing? I'm not getting on the treadmill, like, I have all the knowledge. I'm a believer in the treadmill. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm a believer in the treadmill. And I'm avoiding sinful foods. And I'm praying. I'm doing all these things. But the treadmill's not working. Why is the treadmill not working? Because I missed the point of the treadmill. And the point of the treadmill, if you don't understand it, is actually to get on the treadmill and to struggle. Right? I'm never getting in shape until you see me on a treadmill sweating and struggling. Then I've, I've, now I've understood the point of the treadmill. People say to me all the time, you know, I, I tried Christianity. didn't work for me. didn't work. Well, what did you try? What did you do? I prayed. And I read my Bible. And I went to church. And I tried to start avoiding sin. All, and it didn't work. So I've given up on Christianity. You missed the point. You missed the point. Those are all supporting things. The point of Christianity is love. Have you tried loving people? Because if you put all your effort in that one direction to loving people, now you've got the point. Now you're talking about the vibrant, full life that Jesus Christ talks about. The point of Christianity is to actually love people. I was listening to the radio uh, getting ready for the Redskins season, listening to the Sports Talk radio station, and Doc Walker was on there. And I think he was talking about Adrian Peterson, who had a great game last week. Very impressed. Very impressed with Adrian Peterson. Had a great game last week. I think he was talking about it. He was saying, he was saying that he thinks that Adrian owns a chain of gyms, like a bunch of gyms. And he said this about Adrian. He says, you know what? If you're somebody who is an owner of a gym, you better be ripped. Like, you better be jacked. Because if you're not jacked, who in the world is going to take you seriously? I mean, you can't come in as an owner of a gym and be, you know, all out of shape, right? That just doesn't work. The same thing is true for being a follower of Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, boy, you better, you better be jacked on love because that's the whole point of Christianity. Not knowledge, not chapter and verse, not sin avoidance, not all of that. Famous in the words of Jesus Christ, famous, 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 famous for love, right? Until you see me struggling on a treadmill, sweating, 
I'm not really getting the point of the treadmill. And until you see me struggling to love, sweating it out, struggling to love somebody who's difficult to love, then I've really missed the point of Christianity. That's why us is so important. Because the point of all of this, all of this, is to love other people. So I want to be really clear from the start. We're going to get into all kinds of details of what it means to love people throughout this series. And there's all kinds of amazing illustrations that we can use from this This Is Us television program. But the point is clear from the beginning where are we headed. Christianity is about loving people. Does that mean that we shouldn't study our Bible? Of course we should study our Bible, but that's not the point of Christianity. It's not the point to avoid sin. It's not the point to pray. And maybe it's not the point to go to church, but you should still go to church. <laughs> the point is, is to love. The point of Christianity is to love people, which is Romans chapter 12 of all this great theology leads us to. Great theology produces great love. Great theology produces great love. If Christianity is anything, it is a movement of love. I know a lot of people have FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. What about fear of missing out on life? I I just want to be sure that I get everything, like when I die, that I lived my life to the max, to the fullest. It was vibrant. It was everything that God wanted it to be. I was in the center of all that. I was getting closer to God. We come to church because we want to get closer to God, and we want to thrive spiritually and live this dynamic life. Praying and reading your Bible and avoiding sin is not going to get it there for you. Those are all very important. Do not misread me. But those are all supporting cast members in the main character of the show, and that is to love people, to be famous for that. And that will lead you to the life that you have always, always, always wanted according to Jesus Christ. That's what he says. Dallas Willard, who was a philosopher who taught at University of Southern California from 1965 till 2013 when he died, like 50 years of teaching at USC. Somebody asked him one day, they said, hey, if I want to grow spiritually, what should I do? And his response was just like, what? You got to be kidding me. You know what he said? Do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. Right? The next right thing is to love somebody. Do the next right thing. You know why? Because then he follows up by saying, because when you're trying and struggling to do the next right thing, when you're struggling to love somebody who's really difficult for you to love, you're going to need to pray. And you're going to need to read the Bible. And you're going to need to go to church. And you're going to need to be in a community group, right? Because you're going to have other people. I don't know about you, but in my community group that I'm in, we're very honest with each other. There are people that we struggle with that we don't like, that we find very challenging and irritating to us. And we come around each other and say, we're going to pray for you. We know that you're frustrated with them. But you know what? We're going to pray that somehow that you sweat and struggle through this to get the point of Christ so that you can live this full dynamic life and actually love that person who's really, really, really hard to love. Really hard to love. This is what we do. Do the next, do the next right thing. Final verse I want you to look at is this. It's Galatians chapter 5, verse number 6. Paul says this way. If we, we, how, how, do you, how could we miss the point on this? The only thing that counts, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. People are frustrating. Have you realized that yet? People are opinionated. There are introverts and extroverts. There are morning people and night people, right? Any morning people uh, married to a night person? Thank you for the hand over there. People, people talk to process and people think to process, right? 
Any people who are geared to think to process, married to somebody who talks to process, don't raise your hand. There are, di- there are, different, there are different love languages, right? There, we're all different, and it's frustrating. And all of this, genuine relationships require us to change. That's why they're so difficult. And that's why we just want to focus on a relationship with God. That's why we want to just, rather than us, because the us is the hard part, but there's the magic. The magic is in loving people. And the true magic is in loving in people, people who are difficult to love. That's why we need it, us, because it requires us to change. And change is something we love to talk about, but we hate to do. Saw a bumper sticker, right? It says, if you don't want to change, marry a cat. Anybody seen that? You want to change it? <laughs> I heard about another one recently that says, there's two things I can't stand, the way things are and change. <laughs> kind of doesn't make sense, right? I can't stand the way things are, and I can't stand change us. This is why us is so very important. We are all very much the same, but we're very, very different. And we encourage you, right, to come to church and to struggle through. There are going to be people that are a lot different. We've been saying this, and if you're not in a group, you can still get in a group today. People will be very, very different to you. Here's the only fill in the blank I have on the back of your bulletin if you'd like to fill things in. The only thing that counts is love. The only thing that counts is love, straight from the Bible, which means us is everything. Why does this guy, Jack, in this TV series, This Is Us, why is he such a superhero? We would never know he's a superhero unless we saw him struggle and sweat to do things that are difficult, to love people, even though all of his background and all of his history and all the terrible things he suffered in childhood and early adulthood, and Eve says it himself, his life was miserable, his life was terrible, right? We see him struggle to overcome that, to love people in situations that he never saw anybody else do. He didn't see it, see it do, but he struggles it through to love. And then we say, yes, that's why it's so moving. That's why people are drawn so deeply into this, because we watch him love, and he makes a huge impact on people. One last thing, and then I want to tell you a story, okay? I've grown up in church all my life. Some of you have done the same. Others of you, you've never been in church before, but maybe you might know this. This might resonate with you. You know, we're kind of called to do this thing, evangelizer, to convert people. Let me tell you something happens in a conversation when you're talking with somebody about becoming a Christian, right? Putting your belief in Jesus Christ. There's one thing that's usually always true. Both you and the person you're talking to are both scared to death. That's usually, that's usually the case because we, we don't want to do this. Look, You know what they did in the early church, like right around as the New Testament is coming to a close and Paul is guiding them and stuff? You know know what they did? They didn't focus on converting people. So what I want to say to you this morning, right, we want to spread the message because we're told Jesus tells us to do that, spread the message of Christ. You should probably stop trying to convert people. And instead, your goal should be to love people. Because in the early church, their goal was simply to love people, not convert people. And as a result, all kinds of people came into faith in Jesus Christ because they became famous for love. And it is true. Here is true. Here is a fact. Here is an absolute fact. Conversion happens and people begin to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and their lives thrive and bloom. And it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. And they do that by and large. I mean, the numbers, just they don't do it because of guys like Billy Graham. Billy Graham was awesome. But they don't do it because of Billy Graham. They don't do it because of an evangelist. They don't do it because somebody they don't know comes knocking on their door and says, you need Jesus. That's not how it happens. By and large, it happens in massive amounts. And it has always happened for the last 2,000 years, everybody. This is the facts. Here's the study. Here's the stats because they knew somebody who loved them 
Love them. The goal is to love people. That's where the train comes to a stop at the station is to love people. All right, last, last one. I just want to, I read this story recently. Some of you have read um, Atul Gawande's book, Being Mortal. It's a famous book, right? Came out last year, number one bestseller, topped all the charts, fantastic, Being Mortal. He tells a story in there that really has a lot to do actually with this message today. Tells a story about a guy named Dr. Bill Thomas who worked in New Berlin, New York at a nursing home that had 80 elderly patients, many of which had dementia. And Dr. Bill basically says he goes in there and he sees that everything about the nursing home was geared towards protecting the patients. Like they would get in fights with each other, so they just wanted to keep them in the room. They wanted to kind of keep them safe and separated, safe and separated, right? And he said it was an absolutely miserable, miserable, miserable place to be because they were all safe and they were all separated. And so Dr. Bill goes in there, and this, this guy had a lot of enthusiasm. He had the drive, uh, a tool says he has the drive of a salesman, and he's kind of like a game show host. So he had this vibrant, full-of-life personality. He says, this is all wrong. Forget the safety part. Forget you don't live in safety. Let's get rid of the safety. Let's get rid of the separation. What these people need is connection. They need to be connected to each other. You can't connect these people. Man, they're sick. They're going to beat on each other. I don't know if you've been to nursing homes where people suffer from Alzheimer's, dementia, but all kinds of stuff happens in these homes, everybody. He says, no, we've got to run the risk. Let's get, first of all, a bunch of plants in the room, a lot of green plants. Let's fill up their rooms with green plants. He says, okay, that's pretty easy. And now I want this. I want some dogs in this place. Dogs. This is back in 1991, right? Dogs. We weren't putting dogs in nursing homes back in 19. I want dogs in this place. They're never going to allow it. Put it down. Put it down. He just kind of won them over. And how about some cats? Cats. You want to have dogs and cats? It's not going to work. That's crazy. Never going to put it down. Come on. Maybe they're good. So I want two dogs. I want four cats. And then we need noise. We need like beautiful singing. Let's get some birds. They're not going to let you put dogs and cats and now birds in this nursing home. I don't care. Put it down. And he just wore them down. He wore them down. He wore them down. A hundred birds. So they got the dogs, they got the cats, and now a hundred birds show. Here what the problem was. The problem was this. The hundred birds showed up before the bird cages did. And the delivery guy said, I'm not going to wait around for the cages, and I can't keep these birds with me. So they released them all in the beauty salon of the, of, of the nursing home. And all the residents, because they heard the noise, began to come out of their rooms and to stare through the big windows at the chaos in the beauty salon of the 100 birds, just, just making a mess, just making noise and crazy. Dr. Bill said, they, this quote, they laughed their butts off. That's what he said. And you know what they noticed began to happen? People who before were unable to speak, the residents who were unable to speak, because they, they sat there and they watched that and they talked to each other and they laughed together and they began to connect. People who couldn't speak started to speak. People who couldn't walk started to walk. Residents who couldn't walk started showing up there at the little desk and saying, I'll take the dog for a walk. We didn't even know you could talk or walk. What are you doing? <laughs> Life began to come back because Dr. Bill said they were longing for connection. Look, if you're living a safe life, living safe is not the point. Being connected is the point to people who are like you and unlike you. What I'm calling you out to, what that video clip that I sent this morning, Rebecca says to Jack, fix it, be a man, fix it. She is calling him out to a better life, to a more vibrant life, not a safe life. A life where you struggle to be connected. Everybody wants a sense of belonging is what Dr. Bill says. And we, we need that.
now. You might be saying, hey, John, that's all good. But do you know how hard it is to love people who are unloving? You know, most people sit on their couch. They don't get up on the treadmill, right? You know, this is really hard. The Apostle Paul says in the book of Romans, God will pour his love into your heart. Look, I don't want anybody to miss out on all the glorious things that Jesus Christ wants to do in your life over the next eight weeks. And the point is to love people. And for that to happen, we are going to need some strength from other people for God to pour his love into our hearts. That's my prayer at the end. That's what our prayer team is going to pray for you over here on this wall after this service, to love people. The point, the point of all the great theology of Romans is love. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, help us all to not be safe, but to run the risk, to love people, to make connections, to to not miss the point of all the great theology of your word, but over the next eight weeks to fine-tune our love for all people, like us and unlike us, in Christ's name. Amen.